Welcome back. I'm Chris Gosselin from Australian Fund Monitors. Today we're going to talk to Charlie Aitken again from Aitken Investment Management. Let's listen to Charlie's view on the markets and where we're going. So Charlie, welcome back. Good to see you again. We've been in lockdown for 106 or seven days in New South Wales and we're out. So, so what's been happening not only within the investment world, I think everyone really knows that, but what's been happening within the fund? More importantly, as we always do, what's coming up over the next three, six, 12 months? What's in your crystal ball? Well, it's funny. The fund's been just grinding it out in good stocks. So that's been going along nicely. I think we're up about you know, 20% of the year, roughly in line with the market, give or take. So that, that's been doing what it, it, you know, it's designed to do. And we, we haven't made many changes to the fund. You know, we just, but what we're thinking about, Chris, is obviously you know, we had 11 months of you know, pretty much you know, uninterrupted market recovery. But now it's just getting a little bit choppier as the, as the world thinks about you know, what is going on with inflation. We are, our equity earnings are going to continue to grow at the same pace. You know where valuations are, you know where where the you know, where the risk free rates at. So look, personally, I think the next few months into Christmas could be a bit choppier in terms of vol- more volatility than we've seen, you know, in the in the first six or seven months of the year. So I think there's a few hurdles the markets need to get over in the next little while. So I haven't been back through our previous discussion of uh, three or four months ago, but I think we were talking probably about the same issues. We were lamenting lockdown, but we were still saying then valuations, inflation, China. So is it a question of more of the same, but we're getting towards an eventual change in what's been a long-term uh, investment trend? No, but I think no, I think the fundamentals of an economic recovery are still very much in place, and I think the world's okay. But the biggest development since we last talked was, you know, we did talk about certain instances of supply chains being interrupted. But that has become a much bigger event globally. Clearly, global supply chains are under pressure at the moment. We've seen quite, quite clear evidence in UK supermarkets of empty shelves. Certain businesses in the US have empty shelves as well. And you can see it through you know, container volumes, even in the port of you know, uh, Savannah in Georgia, you know, through the roof in terms of um, delays. So there's big, the biggest problem with COVID now is not vaccinations and travel and borders. It's actually supply chains. You know, getting the right labour into warehouses, getting vaccinated people to work with unvaccinated people. And also the price of oil going up sharply is affecting freight costs. Also container costs have gone up. All sorts of shipping costs have gone up. So I suppose the biggest left field development that's got worse than people expected than I expected is this supply chain interruption. And, you know, that is going to affect equity earnings and margins in the short term for just about most companies. And I think that's the main thing we need to keep an eye on. So people talk about inflation, but... There's nothing that monetary policy can do about supply chains. This requires physical unblocking of those supply chains. And I think that'll take a little bit of time. So that's probably the biggest development in the last month or so. Is that becoming much more widespread? And how do you position the portfolio? Do you say, well, just keep the portfolio as it is because we're invested in good companies, uh, solid companies, uh, or do you adjust or rotate the portfolio? Well, that's an interesting question because it depends on your time frame. I think is probably the right answer. If you're a trader, you're probably worried about everything. But if you're a medium-term investor, you have to take these situations as opportunities. I think most of these supply chain bottlenecks will be cleared eventually. It might take a little bit of time, but I think that as labour comes back into the market, more people are vaccinated, borders open up, freight rates come down, and the world you know reopens properly, and we get through these sort of uh, these staggered reopenings. 
I think those supply chains will normalise. There's no great reason to think supply chains won't normalise. They, they worked in the past and they'll probably work in the future. But we've had an extraordinary event called a pandemic. So I think the last throes of COVID are actually this supply chain interruption. So I probably think of it a little bit contrarianly, Chris. Like if I can find a great business like Nike, which is the world leader in athleisure wear and world leader in athletic goods, that's having supply chain interruptions at the moment, which they've you know, told the market, the shares are off a little bit, we own them. If that continued, because I think that is a transitory or not, not permanent event, I'd be looking to add to that position. So I think it's a chance to buy great businesses whose supply chains are being temporarily interrupted. And if it proves right that these are temporary interruptions to supply chains, i.e. fixed over the next 12, 18 months, then the world will worry less about inflation as being a problem because they can see inflation now. They can see bare shelves. They can see prices going up. But if we can fix these supply chains, then I don't think inflation is quite the headline issue that people think. And then again, that will calm down equity markets. So overall, in the right businesses that are being affected by this, if I'm right and it proves transitory, we'd definitely be looked to add to you know, the right businesses. So you're saying that over the next three months leading up to Christmas, you're going to see some choppiness? Yep. Uh, as as those concerns surface or become more acute, and then a more positive period after that, yeah, after those supply chain issues. Well, there's two things this. happening, Chris, that people didn't expect. You know, everyone's been so ESG focused and no one's invested in oil or oil production that the world's underproducing oil. And therefore, the oil price is back to 80 bucks and, you know, has quadrupled off its lows. That That is definitely a handbrake for the world and putting costs up everywhere. So... The oil price is something that may not calm down for some time, but I do believe these supply chain issues will calm down. But you're going to get evidence, even more clear evidence of this. The general public is going to notice, you know, the Christmas presents aren't easy to buy. The Chinese toys aren't easy to buy. They're just not here. So when the public and the press and the Twitter sphere work out that, you know, shelves are unstocked for Christmas, that will probably be the peak of some of this, you know, noise and probably an opportunity to buy. But I think it happens over the next quarter. And I think becomes, I think the reporting season that's coming up in America, a lot of companies will point to the fact they've got problems in their supply chain as an excuse for revenues not being as high as expected or margins not being as high as expected. So if that happens, you could see a bit of a pullback on Wall Street, just as earnings expectations in the short term are rebased a little bit, little bit lower. Charlie, what about China? Just turning to China, you know, we've, we've had concerns about China, whether geopolitical or whatever it may be, now for some time, these seem to be increasing or becoming uh, more acute. Do you see that really affecting markets or do you think sanity will prevail? Well, it's interesting because the contagion effect of some of these, you know, just out of left field regulatory decisions, whether it's video gaming or Macau casinos or luxury goods or showing wealth or transfer of wealth from good, you know, profitable companies to the greater good, they're all affect sentiment in a big way towards Chinese everything. Even Evergrande collapsing has had a flow-on effect, I believe, into the price of iron ore. You know, a major Chinese property developer collapses, therefore the cost of capital for all Chinese developers goes up, therefore development slows, and unsurprisingly, the iron ore price falls at the end of that. So the knock-on effects, the contagion effects of all these big events in China are very, very big. Remember, China has been the marginal driver of global growth for a very long time now, and a big driver of deflation because of cheap products getting easily out of China. Well, right here, right now, neither of those are happening. They're actually creating a bit of inflation because of supply chain constraints. And also the top line growth has slowed you know, in the economy deliberately. So I'm still very, very, very conservative in our positioning towards China. I don't think there's any rush to rush out and buy 
China facing equities or Chinese equities in a hurry. No great rush to buy you know, the average Australian resource stock. I think this situation is rapidly changing. And when you're seeing a couple of big dominoes fall like Evergrande, you know, it, it takes a while for that to wash through the system, I'd say, Chris. So I think, I think you know, and also you know, a bit of the geopolitical posturing is not, not that positive as well, quite frankly. And all that can be a bit unpredictable. I mean, I think that's one of the things about China. Most things that happen uh, elsewhere in the world can be predictable if you talk about supply chains and the price of oil, et cetera, and inflation. China can be unpredictable. And, and that's potentially a shock for the market, whether it's Evergrande or whoever it may be. Well, it's been pretty much everything China facing and now we go through it. If you, you stack it up, it started with Australian barley and Australian wine and then milk powder, lobsters, coal, I suppose iron ore to a degree, Evergrande collapses, Macau casinos are told they can't you know, take as many customers. It's, it's been very wide ranging, actually, you know, in a broad push from Beijing to sort of, you know, make the economy fair instead of in, in terms of wealth transfer, I suppose, as a way of describing it. Well, they're basically taking back more control, becoming less capitalist. I think China becoming less capitalist is a is a bad event, you know, in terms of in terms of world economics, but one you can sail around by how you put for you know, position a portfolio. You don't have to be there. There's no there's no mandatory need to own direct Chinese equities or Australian resource stocks or anything that faces China. You can, you can do that in other ways if you want to. Like, you know, we still own businesses like Louis Vuitton, which have come back a little bit, but, you know, the whole marketplace isn't just China. So I, I do think the China situation requires continual monitoring. I don't think Chinese equities are cheap. I think they could be a value trap. And I think we just need to be very sensible about all this. Look, I think that's good advice, Charlie. One, one final um, sector to look at or to inquire about is... The technology sector that obviously drove markets significantly, particularly in the US with the US the, the fangs. How do you see that playing out over the next three to six months? Well, if interest rates in terms of long bond yields continue to rise, there's no way that US technology will lead the market. In fact, they'll probably be the, the worst performing sector. They'll probably be the laggard. They're very widely owned. They're owned in every index fund, every ETF, every over-the-counter product, every retail product. It's not like they're not owned. Now, we've been slowly reducing our exposure to the US technology. We sold out of Apple, we sold out of Netflix, we sold out of Facebook. We still own great businesses like Microsoft and Alphabet, albeit there are lower weightings in our portfolio and where they've got to in terms of valuation. We don't think the risk reward for US tech is all just one way from here. And I think you also need to be highly selective, Chris, in businesses that were just COVID winners. You know, unprofitable tech stocks that sell some product that was profitable, or not profitable, that was in demand during the COVID lockdown. And you can, you can, maybe it's even the business that we're doing this conversation on today, Zoom or Peloton that does, you know, indoor, uh, indoor exercise bikes. You know, it's, I think it's time to be very selective in US technology. We are, we own a couple of very big US incumbent tech stocks. We still think are fairly valued in Microsoft and Alphabet, Alphabet but we have reduced our exposure there a lot. And we've taken up our exposure in broader, just US good cyclical businesses just good industrial businesses, which is, which should benefit the US economy continue to expand. Charlie, it's always good to speak to you. It's always to get your experienced views on the market, level-headed. Thank you very much indeed. We'll look forward to speaking next time, maybe before Christmas, and hopefully there'll be some presents out of China around the Christmas tree for everyone who needs them. Thanks, Chris. Nice to speak to you.